Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and I am joined here today by my friend, Courtney Doctor. Courtney, I love the book of Romans. When I was writing my Bible study, If God is For Us, it focuses on Romans 8, but I was looking and studying and searching for commentaries and other things on the entire book, because as you know, we don't just start in the middle. <laughs> and I couldn't find anything written by a woman. But we now have a Bible study by you called In View of God's Mercies. In view of your study on the book of Romans, I (laughs) I thought we'd help listeners think through the book and some of its major themes. So here's my question for you, Courtney. What is the context of the book of Romans and what are some of the major themes? Well, what a great question. I love that. First of all, thanks so much for having me on. This is so fun. What would I rather rather talk about uh, with you than the Bible and Romans in particular? So Romans is a magnificent book. I mean, it's considered by most now and throughout church history to be one of really the most significant books in all of scripture. So as anybody who is a follower of Christ, it's it's an important book to read. It's an important book to study. And, and I know that as you were diving into Romans 8, which some will consider, right, the high point of the entire New Testament, such a beautiful chapter, and you were diving into the whole book, looking to see what those themes are that keep this letter together. So, so Romans is a letter that was written by a man named Paul, written to a church in Rome, which was the capital city of the Roman Empire at the time. And Paul had never actually been to this church, but he had heard about them. I mean, they were a pretty significant church, right? Sitting in a capital city. You can imagine what what that church was like, what those people were like, these Roman people. And the church had been started. So the context for the letter, the historical context, is that some Jewish people had heard the gospel, and we're going to talk more about what the gospel is in just a second, but had heard the gospel most likely at Pentecost, which we read about in Acts 2. And they were from Rome, and they traveled back to Rome, having heard the gospel and believed the gospel. And they started this church. And as they lived this gospel message out, more people joined them. And so there were Jewish believers and there were Gentile believers. And Gentile believers are, Gentiles are just people who aren't Jewish. So it was an ethnically diverse congregation and church. And they had some unique challenges to their particular situation that Paul was was trying to speak into and to teach them. He was getting ready to come visit them. And they had some division in the church. And Paul wanted them to be united. And so one of the, so that's kind of the historical setting. And so one of the first themes that we see develop is the gospel. And what Paul wants the church in Rome to do, he wants them to first know what the gospel is. And then he wants them to understand, well, what does the gospel do? So what, what, what the gospel is and what the gospel does. And as he starts laying this gospel message out, which I promise we're going to talk about in just a minute, as he starts laying this gospel message out, he is telling them that, first of all, it makes them individually righteous, but then it also makes them corporately, like there's a righteousness that's going to be theirs corporately too, and, and they're going to be united on the truths of these gospel. 
But it's not even just about them individually or even them as a group of believers. It's about the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth because Paul wants them to join him as he goes to Spain. And so so the first theme that we see running through the book of Romans is the gospel. What is it? And Paul describes it. He uses a phrase that he doesn't use anywhere else in his writings, and he calls it the free gift. Um, it's this gospel of grace, and the gospel is the eternal plan of salvation uh, that God set forth to save a people for himself. And the way he does it is really going to be the second theme that runs throughout, and it's the theme of righteousness. So Paul starts off, we can read in the beginning of the letter that he is going to talk about the fact, he's like, I am not ashamed of the gospel, this eternal plan of salvation for how he's going to save sinners and make a people for himself. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So for all peoples through all the world, through all the earth, he says, for in it, for in the gospel, so this is going to be the heart of the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And he says, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so you're supposed to, when he writes this, is sort of his thesis statement. Uh, and it's in one, it's in chapter one, verses 16 and 17. And we're supposed to wonder, well, what is this righteousness? Well, he immediately then starts talking about unrighteousness. And he's like, y'all are all unrighteous. He's like, you Jewish people, you think because you have the law and because you have the commandments and because you have circumcision, you, know, you guys think you're righteous. He's like, you're not. And he's like, and you Gentiles who are living apart from the law, y'all aren't righteous either. And he, he goes into chapter three saying, in fact, no one's righteous, no, not one. So we've already been told, well, we need, the right, we need to be righteous to, to be saved. We need to be righteous to know God. And then he spends two and a half chapters telling us that we're not, we're not righteous. But when he gets to 321, so chapter 3, verse 21, so he's like, no one's righteous, no, not one, y'all are all unrighteous, and the wrath of God is being revealed against unrighteousness, and you're supposed to be like, but what am I going to do? So chapter 3 of Romans, verse 21, he says, but now, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested or revealed or shown or made known apart from the law, meaning you can't keep the law to be good enough. You can't strive to earn it apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, meaning, meaning that, that the law's good and the prophets are good. And then he says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And so what he has just said is that this eternal plan of salvation to save sinners, this plan that is for all the families of the earth, right? Everybody's going to be blessed, um, that we need to somehow be righteous. We are going to, now we know, he said, that it has been revealed to us, and it's actually the righteousness of Christ, the Son of God, that's going to be given to us. And so that, so not only is the gospel good news, the gospel itself is what makes us righteous. You know, the technical term for it is that we are justified. We are declared not guilty and we are actually declared righteous before God. And so Paul desperately wants his readers to know what the gospel is, that it is the righteousness of Christ made available to us. And it's not by keeping the law, it's through faith in Christ. I have one question. You said that this is the only place where it talks of, in Romans about a the free gift. And so I'd love to unpack that for a sec because I, I, my brain went straight to Ephesians 2, 8, where it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. 
and it is not yourselves. It is a gift of God. So tell me more. Tell me more, because I imagine other people had that same thought. Yes, so it's certainly, I'm so glad you asked that, Trillia. So it is certainly not the only place that we learn that all of this is by grace and that it is a free gift, right? That's what grace is. Like, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is given to us freely. But the actual term free gift, that's what I meant, that he uses it here and he talks about it, about, let me let me read it in Ephesians 5. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's like six times that he uses it in this, but he says, um, but the start, I'm starting in verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's, he goes much more of the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. And the free gift, verse 16, is not like the result of that one man's sin, but the free gift allows, or the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So he just uses this beautiful term to describe the gospel. So yes, oh my gosh, what a good clarification. We know through all of scripture that God's grace is a free gift, but I love that Paul actually uses that term here to describe this gospel that he loves so much. And he clearly wants to emphasize this freedom and this free gift, otherwise it wouldn't be repeated over and over again. And that's a good thing for us as we're thinking through reading through the book of Romans is to look for these words that are repeated over and over and over again and, and and look for what that means. And as we've just done, apply it to the whole of scripture. What does the Bible say about this? Now, here's the sad news. <laughs> you got through Romans one through three and maybe a little bit of five. <laughs> The good news is that I believe this will whet our appetites to read this book and to to really uh, deep dive deep, um, relish it, sit in it, and um, and really enjoy it. There's so much in this book, and um, and I'm so grateful that you talked about and. Man, I I want people to look up because I I love that you you touched on it, but. Corporate righteousness, that's an interesting idea. I would love for people to look that up and see what is she what is she talking about? And um and I, this this idea of the spread of the gospel being Paul's heart. Um I, I you see it all in many of his letters, but I, I love that you emphasize that and of course the gospel, which really is this the summation of um and the theme of of the book of Romans. So Courtney, we need about 15 more hours, but since we don't have it, I just want to say thank you. What I usually do is pray for people. Would you pray for anyone who's listening? And what I want you to pray for specifically is the person who has never heard the gospel before. Will you pray for them as they are diving in and learning and reading the book of Romans? Yes, I would love to. Thanks, Trillia. Father, we bow before you and we thank you that you had an eternal plan of salvation for the rescue of sinners um, like me and um, Father, like all of us. Thank you that you sent your son to do for us what we cannot do. And Lord, I pray for every person listening. Father, I pray that we would all hunger and thirst for this righteousness that can be ours in Christ. I pray that, Father, anybody who doesn't know you yet that's listening, I pray that they would hunger for the free gift that satisfies that saves, Lord. I pray that, um, Lord, you would 
just cultivate a hunger in all of us to know your son more and to know more about what he has done for us and what it means for us and how we're to live as a result. And so, Father, I, I know that you hear. I know that your son and your spirit are interceding on our behalf right now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you.